The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning. As we prepare to get into the Word, there's a few things that I want to offer to you to look forward to. I kind of need that. I don't know how you're wired, but I, I uh, have been accused of checking out after a little bit, you know, maybe a little short attention span. And so sometimes having something to look forward to keeps me engaged, you know. Um, I'm the reason why in waiting rooms they have Where's Waldo books, right? It's like, hey, if, if this kid's going to sit here, we got to give him, we got to keep him busy. So here, kid, find Waldo, and uh, if you find him, turn the page, do it again. If you find him again, turn the page, do it again, and uh, that's that. So having things to look for uh, help keep me engaged, and, and maybe it, it'll do the same for you. So as you're going through the Word together this morning, we're going to find a few things. One that we're going to find is what believers need. Now, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit this morning. Normally, the things that we'll look for are things that are, are absolute in the scripture, you know, kind of like the word says, God says you need this. This has got a little bit of opinion in it. Uh, in, in reading through things, there, I really felt like, wow, I think that's like the most important thing that I need in my life right now. And, and so it really stood out to me. And honestly, it's, it's a little bit of privilege that I could just put that on there as something that we'll find. Perhaps when we get there, you'll feel the same way and we'll be agreement on that. But something very important that we need. Without it, we're really in a lot of trouble. Uh, a, a second thing that we're going to find is uh, what we need when facing any kind of temptation. I mean, any kind of temptation whatsoever. Uh, so when you talk about temptation, you know, people's minds go to different places. We're talking about anything. It can be, it can be uh, 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 any, anywhere on the spectrum there. There's an important thing that's necessary in order to, uh, to win when it comes to dealing with temptation. And then another thing that we're going to find is uh, what we need in our lives to be complete. Now, this isn't meant to sound high drama or sappy in any way, but there have been days where I have felt a little hollow, you know, and I mean, I, I actually think that that could be identified by all kinds of different words. I mean, you could just feel a little down. I mean, you could use really intense words like depression. I mean, those are things that are real and people deal with them. If, if we don't talk about them or acknowledge what the word says about them, uh, I think that would be really foolish on our part. So there's an element that's needed in our lives in order to feel complete. And, and if you're like me, there have been times where you have felt maybe a little incomplete. And so being able to examine your choices and your decisions and your thoughts to see if this element is present could be a good thing, could be a real solution there. Uh, so look forward to finding that. So as we get into the word here, we're going to lay a foundation from uh, the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, we've used this for the past few weeks. Uh, what really kind of inspired us to be back here in 2 Peter, uh, a few weeks ago, my son's turned 13 years old, and, and there was, it was a very emotional time for me. There's a lot of elements in this passage of scripture that I really believe were great elements to, to impart into young men as they grow and develop. And so, you know, a little bit of my personal life affected and tipped the scales in where we went. And we're going to be here for a few more weeks. So Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, we're going to begin in, in verse 2. So it's, it's a letter that's being written to Christians. That's the first thing to consider. And I think that's important to acknowledge because sometimes we'll see things in the Bible and we might think, well, that's for 
uh, people that need Jesus, or that's for sinners, or that. This letter is written to Christians. So everything that's being said here, it could be written directly to you as a believer. I mean, you could get this letter in the mail, and it could say, you know, dear sir or dear ma'am, and be written directly to you. And as it's, it's opening up here with a greeting, it reads like this, beginning in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, seeing that his divine power has giving, given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his excellence. I mean, I want to pause right there. I mean, this letter is basically setting the stage that God's given you everything you need to live the life that he's called you to live. And that's really uplifting and encouraging. I mean, there are times that I, I know in my life and in the life of, uh, lives of believers around me, uh, there's a sense of a struggle, a sense of deficit, uh, a sense of maybe not having what we need or being ill-equipped. But we can, we can set all of that aside and see that as a distraction when we stand on this scripture that everything we need for life or godliness, God's given us. So basically what that means is that if your solution involves needing something that you don't have, you might stop and rethink it. I mean, if we stop and we, we rethink our challenges, our problems, the things that we're dealing with, and we can evaluate that, that, that we have what we need right here, that's a game changer. That means there's really no excuse to solution. I mean, let me give you an example, and, and it's a shame that most of my examples are all the same, and they involve, like, my marriage or my family. You need to understand my wife is incredible. She's the most amazing woman on the, the planet. She's always right, and I'm always wrong, and that's not sarcastic. Like, that's really not a joke. It's not a cheap laugh. I mean, if we were really running the numbers here, it'd be pretty close. I may have been right a couple times, you know, uh, but that was probably about sports or something stupid that doesn't really matter. Uh, but anyway, so, so if I use this as an example, let's just say my wife and I are having a, a conflict of some kind. I mean, I don't want to use a big word like fight, but let's just do that just for kicks. Let's say my wife and I are fighting. You know, I don't need to, to, to think, well, this is just how it's got to be until something else comes. If God's given us everything we need to behave ourselves, then we can stop. And we can just simply call a, a timeout, so to speak, and pause and just say, listen, the scripture says God's given us everything to do this right. So let's just identify what we're doing wrong. Let's not sit and wait for some magic bullet to come in and fix all of this. But let's stop and let's get rid of the garbage that's distracting us from what God's given us already in Jesus to get this right. What's he given us? The fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, if you can't get it done with those things, you're probably in trouble, right? So it's just a good thing to get in your head. And when we get that in our head, I think it affects how we handle things, how we handle conflict, how we handle disappointment, how we handle frustration of any kind. And it's important for us to see that we do have what it takes to get things right. Now, here's the reason why, and this is really cool. So you keep reading here in verse 4. By these things, those, these things that, that God's given us, he's given us these precious and magnificent promises so that by them we might be partakers in the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world. I mean, that's really the point, basically, is that God is saying, I want you to be like me. 
If he's calling us to be partakers in the divine nature, that's his nature. He is the divine. He's God. And he's given us all of these things so that we can be like him. Well, that makes sense because he's, he's called us his sons and daughters. He's, he's identified himself not as supreme ruler but as father. What a wonderful thing. And, and he has given us everything we need so that the kids can look like their father. So that when we speak, we can speak the same words that he would speak. When we act, we can do the same actions that he would bring into that situation so that we can look like him. Uh, as we get through that passage of Scripture there, there's so many promises attached to, to these things, and, and we're going to see those. We're now in verse 5. Now, for this reason, <clears throat> apply with all diligence. And we're about to see a list here, a list of things that God brings into our life so that we can partake in the divine nature. First, moral excellence. Well, you can see why I would have been inspired when my son's turned 13 to, to go in this direction here. Because I, I think that laying a foundation of moral excellence is absolutely necessary for any believer, male or female. But I, I'm thinking, you know, a 13-year-old boy growing and developing and becoming a man. What a great thing to know that at the foundation of everything God is bringing into your life through Jesus, it starts with morality. Moral excellence. We, we looked up the word in the concordance that's just a dictionary for Bible words and found that it meant like valor or courageous. And, and one of the definitions was manliness, right? So we talked about that. Like I tell them, you know, because they're getting these mustaches that are pretty awesome, you know, we talk about their mustaches being morally excellent. That is a morally excellent mustache because that means manly, right? That is a manly mustache. Morally excellent. So morally excellent, that's the call, the foundation, the base. That's really why a lot of morality is under attack. Because if you can take out the foundation, the whole house will fall. Everything that's built will come down. So you'll see morality under attack on a daily basis. I mean, on every television ad, every billboard, every, every uh, part of social media, you'll see attempts to attack and erode morality. But at the foundation of everything God's doing, bringing us uh, into his divine nature is moral excellence. Then for moral excellence, it went to knowledge, and we looked at knowledge. Knowledge was, was uh, moral wisdom was how it translated. So you have the courage to do what's right at the foundation. Then you have knowing what's right coming after that. And then we looked uh, last week at self-control. Self-control just meant not having any outside influence control you. I mean... There are countless outside influences trying to control you at any given time. Whether it's another person trying to provoke you, trying to call you out from a state of stability into a state of anger or rage, whether it's an advertisement trying to tell you how to spend your money. There are all kinds of outside influences trying to take control of your life, and God has equipped us, hallelujah, with self-control so that those outside influences aren't pushing the buttons and pulling the levers of our lives. And then now we get to where we're at today, and, and the next on this list is perseverance. So you can, you can take that down. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But as we finish reading the passage here, perseverance then leads to godliness, godliness to brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness ultimately resulting in love. The scripture goes on to say that these things make us fruitful. They make us productive. They keep us from being unfruitful. It talks about these things being the, the, the key to success. I mean, listen to these last words from verse 10. If you practice these things, you will never stumble. That's a pretty awesome promise, right? I mean, I can't think of anything that I would want more in the life of my sons as they develop, in my life, in the life of the congregation, 
than, than to live making choices and decisions that are successful and fruitful. And then you see here in verse 11 that in these things is granted the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's pretty awesome. So we've gone through that list, we've laid the foundation, and now we're, we're here at perseverance. Remember, it started with moral excellence and then moral wisdom, self-control, and now perseverance. I want to talk about perseverance this morning, and that's really the, the topic at hand. Uh, when you go to, to the concordance, you look at the original word and its definition. I think that's an important thing to do because it's hard to understand the word of God if we don't understand the words that make up the word of God. So we go there so that we have a good understanding. When you look up this word in the concordance, remember that's just a dictionary for Bible words, uh, it, it defines as this, uh, endurance, consistency, patience, hopefulness. I mean, endurance is, is an interesting uh, concept, you know. Uh, you, patience, interesting concept in and of themselves. But to see that all this stuff is tied up in the definition of what perseverance is gives us a pretty good idea of where we're going. Now, one of the words that stands out to me the most here, and I told you before, you know, uh, we were going to find out really what believers need. I, I mentioned kind of a, a most important thing. And I told you it was going to be a little different than normal weeks. It's kind of an opinion, you know, based on, well, this is really where it's found. And it's in this one word. And the one word came there from the concordance, consistency. Consistency. I, I just think that's really, really important. I mean, for me personally, I think it might be the most important. Uh, you, you, you know, consistency is, is really what makes uh, us effective in anything we do. And you can think of this like in any example. I mean, I think a great example is like food service, right? You might have a favorite restaurant and, and you go there because your expectations are met every time. Well, if all of a sudden they became inconsistent, let's just say you got one, maybe two Band-Aids in your food, you know, you'd probably stop going, right? I mean, it just wouldn't work because all of a sudden it's inconsistent with what your expectations were. Well, as a believer, our lives can be inconsistent. You know, you're on fire for Jesus, and all your choices and decisions are made filtered, you know, by the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, and the written word, the scripture, and, and choices and decisions are going, 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 good and great, and then all of a sudden something enters in and we become inconsistent. You know, maybe we get tired, maybe we get weary, maybe we get a little frustrated with something. There's no telling what that outside pressure is, but that, that outside pressure has introduced an inconsistency in our behavior, our choices or our decision-making. I personally believe consistency could be the most important thing, you know. It's one thing to, to get excited about something, to sign on and, and, and take off doing it, and it's another thing to continue doing that. And that's really where we are here. Paul writes about consistency when he gives these kinds of instructions like run the race as to win the prize. I mean, everybody can get excited when that starting pistol goes off, you know, boom, and they all take off, and then all of a sudden you get a little inconsistent because you're passing Arby's, and you're like, ah, Arby's is different. Now it's we have the meats, right? That's kind of weird to me, but they do have the meats. Yeah, you got Arby's fans in the back. Now you know where you're going for lunch after this, don't you? Like, Arby's, I haven't been to Arby's in a long time. I got an Arby's story. I do. I haven't, and it's a recent Arby's story. So, you know, I mean, sometimes you're, you're wondering, you ever have the conversation like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Maybe 30 minutes goes by. 
you know, you're thinking like, well, we're not dying of starvation here because we obviously have time to kick this around for a while, you know. So Arby's was the solution. You know, there was a certain sandwich that Arby's used to make. So we, we find out that I think if you know who to talk to there, they can still make it for you. And, and so I, I, I drive to Arby's. That's a little bit of a drive from where I live, you know. So I drive to Arby's, and it's, it's, we're excited because it's at-home date night, right? So I'm going to bring this Arby's home, and it's, this is special time. So, so I'm sitting there in the drive-thru and talking to the person there, and, and you know drive throughs they're, they're terrible. I would go in, but you can't go in because they don't have enough employees to open the lobby. Don't get me started on all of that. And, and, and so we're in the drive-thru there, and I'm ordering and I'm trying to order this kind of custom sandwich that's no longer on the menu, and it's not going very well, you know, because I don't think this person is really a foodie on the other side of the, the yeah. So we managed to get it done, you know, we get it ordered, and I'm thinking, well, that's, that. and then, you know, my order. My order is like, where's your children's menu? You got chicken strips in there? Um, do that. Let me do that. So order me some chicken strips and some curly fries. You know, grab the bag, pay, and then you know you become an Indy 500 driver when you are going home with food in the car. Man, I put like an old lady everywhere I go all the time unless I've got food. <laughs> then it's NASCAR all the way, all day. If that light's yellow, look out. <laughs> even if it's a little red, look out. I'm going through. I'm not stopping, you know. I've even honked my horn before going through. Like, just giving you a heads up, I got food in the car. I'm coming through, you know, they're like, is he dying? Is he going to the hospital? What's going on? It's like, no, he's got Arby's. Uh-oh. <laughs> get home safe, son. Yeah. And, I, you know, so you get home and you're ready to eat, you know. Pull out the sandwich and present it, you know, my queen. Your Arby's, my queen. She opens it up and takes a bite and it's like, wow, it's just like I remember. They got it right. Dude, that was, that was a crazy order and they got it right. And then I hear the bag kind of rustle, and I hear, where's yours? <laughs> this is like a 30-minute round-trip drive, right? Now, I mean, I've lived in big cities, you know, DFW and, and Oklahoma City and stuff, where 30 minutes was nothing, but I've lived here long enough, where now a 30-minute drive is like the end of the world, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, we can't do that. I'm calling Arby's. Call Arby's. Hey, Arby's. Is Arby there? You know? I mean, who do you talk to? Like, when you let them know, hey, listen, I, I, we ordered this. We didn't get half of our order. And, and you know, it's a bit of a drive. Uh, I don't even know what to ask right now. I'm kind of hoping you'll just take off talking and relieve me from this awkward moment, you know? And they do. They say, uh, they say, well, what did you have? And I said, well, I had, you know, your, your, and I was honest. This is where it can get crazy, right? It's like, well, half your menu, lady. Are you kidding me? I got, no, I mean, I'm straight shooters. So like, I had the, the, the five-piece strips with the large, I upgraded to large curly fry and drink. Here's what she said. She said, well, we're, what we'll do is we're going to put your name in the book. And we're going to put you down for a, a five-piece and a large fry, and, and we'll even give you another drink, which I thought, well, that's classy of you, you know, so I don't choke to death on your, your food when I come back. But I couldn't help but think, like, you have a book? Like, this happens enough <laughs> at your Arby's that you're going to put my name in the book? 
I mean, I'm picturing like the Lamb's book of life, like from the book of Revelation, and the books were open, you know, and you see the, the separation and the names called. So now I'm really intrigued. I'm thinking like, I'm going to Arby's tomorrow, and I'm, I literally am Googling, what time do they open? That's how excited I am. I want to be there when they open and be like, yeah, my name is in the book. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's going to be under the P's. It's Preston. They know who I am, you know. I do. I go the next day, and I'm in the drive-thru because, again, the lobby's closed. Again, don't get me started on that. In the drive-thru, you know, welcome to Arby's. Yeah, uh, I'm in the book. Name's Preston. Welcome to Arby's. After a little of explaining, you know, back and forth here, it turns out my name was recorded. I never saw the book. I still want to see the book one day. I did get my chicken strips. I did get my curly fries. They did refresh my drink. And it was the best lunch at 10.30 a.m. that anybody's had in a long time. So anyway, if Arby's ever jacks your order, just tell them, put me down in the book. I'll see you tomorrow, and uh, we'll get this straightened out. So where were we at? What were, were we... We're at church today, right? This is. She did not share her sandwich. But to her credit, I don't eat it the way she eats it. Like I said, kids' menu, you know, like if there's any sauce, I don't want your sauce. Keep your sauce, you know. Really, it's, I, mine is more of a choking hazard than it is a meal. And it's so dry, but it's okay. So she would have shared. She, she would have shared. I got your fries, right? You gave me your fries. Yeah, I got her fries. Uh, so anyway, open your Bibles to, God, I'm so gone now, it's consistency, how inconsistent was that? Yeah, so uh, that really is the point, Consist I think in a person's life, consistency is real important. I mean, this is put to the test like in relationships, right? I mean, think about, uh, if I were consistent, if I treated my wife today the same as I did when I was courting her, when I was doing the peacock dance, like, look at me! Isn't that hot? <laughs> you know, I mean, if, you, if I treated her the same today as I did then, that would be consistent. It's been frustrating a little, right? The inconsistent, just a little bit? Yeah, not too bad. But I mean, we, do, we change, and we're not consistent with stuff, and that's a problem, that's a challenge. What happens to, like, in our faith and, and, and our, our lifestyle, our choices, our decisions, if we can engage with the Holy Spirit in our choices and our decisions and then persevere and remain consistent, we will be absolutely unstoppable. I mean, there's no end to, to the effects of the things of the kingdom of God in and through our lives. Consistency is a real important thing. So important that God made a way for it by equipping us with what we need in order to persevere. And that's really kind of this list. Like I look at this list and it's not just like, here's a list of things to check to see if you're a good Christian. I look at this list and think this is a list of things that God sees as so important that he sent his son to die on a cross, rise from the grave, ascend to heaven, and pour out the Holy Spirit so you could have everything on that list. It's important stuff perseverance is on the list. So then we go to the dictionary, right? The dictionary now uh, gives us a little definition because it's important for us to understand the word, know what it means, know what it is. Uh, perseverance. So I looked up the word uh, 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 perseverance and, and you know, you kind of get the dictionary game, you know, to persevere. Like, thanks a lot, right? So you look up persevere, you get to persevere. 
Uh, to persist in a state, a state or undertaking, in spite of counter-influences, opposition, or discouragement. Well, now I see why this is so important. Because in my life, I think I could define a lot of the things that I face and deal with as being uh, on this list. Counter-influence. The whole world is telling me that I'm living wrong and I need to live their way. They're telling me my ways are outdated, that my ways are bigoted, that my ways are, are chauvinistic, that my way, I mean, I, <laughs> I've been in situations as a pastor that were just awkward. I was once asked to do a wedding without saying marriage or saying God. It didn't work. I mean, I, I did the wedding, but they conceded that that would be a real challenge and they allowed me to say those words. But that's really weird. That's a counter-influence. And, and so there's a lot of, of counter-influence. There's a lot of opposition. There's just straight-up opposition. That's not even just trying to like, hey, why don't you come over to our side? But it's rather opposing your side. It's telling you you're wrong. It's telling you that you're bad. It's telling you that, that I mean, it, we have a lot of things going on right now in our culture that are absolutely in opposition to the things of God. And I, I don't know that we need to go down a list. It, it, it would be easy for me to go on a rant and fail at accomplishing ministering this word. So we'll just move on. Discouragement. There's a lot of things that I'll face and do that, that will try to bring discouragement to, to where I'm going. I, I want to, to be a successful man in my marriage. I want to be a great husband. I want to raise my sons in the way that they should go and be a, a great loving father. I, I want to be a, a, a generous man with all that I have and all that I am. I, I want to be a good pastor. That was your chance to really lift me up. I'm just joking. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. you gotta let me, listen, it's kind of a weighty thing because I think we all hear these things and we're like, yeah, I, I get where you're at. I feel that too. And that's a good thing. Like, I kind of like it when you can hear the pin drop, you know, because I think that means that we're all engaged, that this is a real serious matter. So you see perseverance here. Perseverance is about holding where you're at, holding your ground, staying the course, not being moved or not being pushed out of place by all of these things, opposition, counter-influence, all of these things that are pushing against you. Uh, by definition, you, you can find this too, a continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Hallelujah. If someone were to ask me to describe elements in my life, I think I could describe elements in my life as being filled with difficulties, failures, and oppositions. I once was in Africa. I love ministering in Africa. I, I haven't been because of some of the, the, the uh, COVID issues and things like that in a couple of years now, but I have a lot of friends there. And, and uh, you know, Apostle Frank was recently here. That was, all, that was great. It's always great to have him here. But I remember being in a meeting in Africa, and, you know, there's this packed house, and it was all pastors. It was like a conference kind of thing. You know, it's kind of it's a real honor to be there, you know. And, and of course, you're, you're invited as a guest, and you know that as you're invited as a guest, you're, 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 you're in this position uh, where it's, it's a real honor to stand and, and minister to people who have really sacrificed to see the kingdom of God expand. And I remember standing behind the podium, you know, and looking up, and I just thought, let me give you guys, before we get into the word, a little bio on my life. And, you know, this is normally where you talk about how many books you've written and, you know, how many schools you've started and how many churches you've been handed and you oversee. I gave them a list of my worst failures, and I'm telling you, it got so quiet in that room. 
there was like an awkwardness in the air and, and, until I was finished with the list. And that just broke and it snapped. And it was like the most real moment I think anyone had in that entire conference where it became an understanding that I can learn from this guy. I can receive from this guy because I can relate to nearly losing my marriage. I can relate to failing at business two or three or four times. I can relate to that stuff. But if you stand and tell me how many schools you started and how many books you've written, how many churches you've been handed, I can't relate to that. So I'm going to sit here and listen and nod my head and get my card punched and go home. But I hear that you've been through some real hell, and I can relate to that. I want to hear what you've got to say. Pretty cool. Let me tell you something. Those meetings were awesome. But this is where we come when we come to perseverance. We come to a place where we realize our lives are filled with difficulties and counter-influence and failure and all these things pushing against. But God has called us to, in order to be like him and in order to walk in his nature, he's given us everything we need to persevere. It means hold your ground. Not be moved by the counter-influence. Not give in to the opposition and not quit because of the difficulties. Perseverance has a source. I'm going to give you some scriptures here as we, we move quickly through the rest of these words. If you're taking notes, you can jot them down. Visit them in your own time there as well. Uh, Romans 15.5. Romans 15.5. It, it, it reads like this. Now, you may have a different translation uh, of scripture. That's fine if you do. Anytime it may be a, a, a different word there, it's going to be in the ballpark. It's going to be a similar uh, word or translation. Romans 15.5. Now the God of perseverance and encouragement give to you what you need, that like-mindedness toward another, one another, excuse me, according to Jesus Christ. Now the God of perseverance and encouragement grant to you to be like-minded toward one another according to Jesus Christ. It's a bit of a mouthful, it's a bit of a, 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 a word circus, but what's being said here is that now may the God of perseverance and encouragement help you guys behave because of Jesus. That you would think like Jesus and therefore act like Jesus. That's a pretty interesting thing. I mean, I need to behave. I need to act like Jesus. I need my mind affected by Jesus so that I can act towards you the way that I ought to. And the God that provides this for me is the God of perseverance and encouragement. Well, encouragement is, is really awesome. We could preach a whole message on encouragement. We have before, and we will again. Uh, encouragement is great. Have you ever been around someone who was an encourager? Probably. Did you want to be around that person more? Probably so. Have you ever been around someone who was filled with discouragement? Did you want to hang out with that person? Probably not. I mean, encouragement is attractive, and it's fantastic. And then you see this, this, this identification of God, the God of perseverance. What a great way for God to identify himself. I mean, we say this often, like these banners, these are just a few of the ways that God has identified himself to men throughout the scripture, you know, that he's our healer, that he's all-existent, that he is our provider. I mean, that he's present or he's near or he hears, however you want to translate that one. I mean, these are really great things. In this passage of Scripture, God is being revealed as the God of perseverance. Of, it can be viewed as a, a, a possessive word. You know, that's Preston's Bible or that's the Bible of Preston. We don't really talk like that, but if we think like that, what we'll see is that all perseverance belongs to God. He is the one that possesses it. And his influence in my life, his nature in my life and through my life is how perseverance will be released through my choices, decisions, and actions. 
And it's necessary for me to have perseverance in my life in order to behave myself as I should. Why? Because people are jerks. People provoke. People push buttons. People. I got flipped off the other day. Again, I get flipped off a lot. I think it's because I was driving home with Arby's at like 90 miles an hour, and, and it, was, it was a bad deal. And you know what? When he flipped me off, I thought, I'm going to follow that guy. And I thought, that was dumb. Why would I do that? But, I mean, that was the first thought, and I'm, th- I'm so glad I persevered and didn't do that, right? My wife is like, yes, because I'm not posting your bail again, you know. I'm just joking. But, I mean, just little things like that. Like, how do you go from being like, I am the mature man of God, anointed with the Holy Ghost, to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth? I'm going to get you, <laughs> you know. I mean, like, what, what, some switch flips. It's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Perseverance. We've got to persevere hold our ground, and not be influenced by those outside things that are trying to pull us from where we're supposed to be. Uh, Perseverance is necessary for for being productive and fruitful, and I'm going to move through this really quick. Let me give you the the passage of Scripture and just say, hey, listen, if you get time, you know, read read through this. But Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, the specific passage that will bear the word perseverance will come in around verse 15, but Jesus is talking about people and he breaks people down into four groups. I mean, it, this is pretty amazing that he would con- condense all of humanity into four groups. And he's talking about how they respond to the scripture. That there's some that have no response to it at all. Their hearts are, are hardened. And he compares them to like uh, the ground that is next to the road. That is packed. It hasn't been tilled. It hasn't been opened up. And everything that's, that's cast upon it, as far as the scripture is concerned... Is just stolen away. doesn't have any effect. Then another group is a group that has rocky soil, so there's no depth. So the things that, that sprout up there sprout up there, but because they can't put down deep roots because of, of those things that are in the way, uh, the, they, they can't endure trial or, or tribulation, and they, they dry up. And another group, another group where, where things are received and they grow up well, but then they, they have competition, you know, other things. I care about this more than that, and that wins. That's all weeds are in, in a garden, is they're, they're competing for the resources, and they strangle out the things that are productive. And then he gets to the group that's productive. Now, this is the group that we all want to be in. We want to be in the group that, that puts distractions in their proper place, that has all the hard places out of our heart so that we can have depth and character, and that has our heart opened up to Jesus. Now, this, this group is defined as this in Luke 8, uh, 15. But on the good ground, that's where we want to be, the the word is sown onto an honest and good heart. And once it's heard, it's kept, and it brings forward its fruit with perseverance. I mean, he didn't add that last part on accident. It wasn't like, I got a little more air in my lungs, I need two more words, uh, with perseverance. But it brings forth its fruit with perseverance. You're going to have to hold your ground. You're going to have to hang in there. There's going to be outside influences. There's going to be all kinds of things pushing against your fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. There's going to be all kinds of things resisting your advancement in the things of God. There's going to be all kinds of things that want to tell you to stop when God tells you to go. There's all kinds of things that want to tell you to go when God tells you to stop. You're going to have to persevere to be productive. That's why I'm telling you, I thought, just personally, I'm thinking, this could be like a really, maybe most important thing of all time. I need this in my life. 
perseverance. I'll give you a couple more scriptures and then you can go to Arby's. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, I want to look at verses 1 through 5. I mean, 1 through 5 is mainly just because <laughs> I have a, a, some deep affection for verse 1. Uh, you could really just leave it off of here and it would be just fine, but it's really personally such an, a, a, a powerful verse that I can't help but leave it in there. So verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Again, like I said, not necessary for this message, but the idea that because of Jesus, you're at peace with God, that's awesome. That everything that was hostile between the two of us is gone. Pretty amazing thing. Now verse 3, this is where we get to what applies to today's message. Not only this, but we glory in problems. Your Bible may say tribulation. I mean, that's fine. I don't really use the word uh, tribulation. I don't call the guys at work and be like, hey guys, we've got a tribulation here. You know, that doesn't work, right? Uh, so let's just go with problems because we use that word. But we, we glory in problems, knowing that problems bring about perseverance and that perseverance brings about, get this, this is awesome, proven character. Do you see an absence of proven character in people today? Oh man, Proven character is getting hard to find, and I think it's getting hard to find because perseverance is getting thin. So here we go. I'm going to finish reading this. Perseverance brings about proven character, and proven character brings about hope, and hope does not disappoint because of the love of God which has been poured out through our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the whole passage of Scripture here is saying that when we have problems, it's an opportunity to bring perseverance to the table. And when we hold our ground and persevere, it develops proven character. And when we have proven character, we walk in hope, and hope is awesome. Hope is what we need. It's what we can produce that will bring the world to Jesus. That really is the light in the darkness. When you consider any preacher in any part of the world who would stand and preach forgiveness of sins, people respond because they hope it's true and they hope they can be forgiven. They hope that all of their failures can be washed away. They hope that all of their sins and the stains of their sins can be made into something beautiful. Hope. But when we can't persevere, when problems come and we don't see this is an opportunity for me to stand my ground, for me to hold right here, and for me to outlast this problem and come out on top, when we don't see problems like that, then we close the door to perseverance, we cut off proven character, and we crush hope. I have deep concerns for the generation growing up because I see how they handle problems. They fuss and they whine. Some of that is because they've kind of been raised to do that. Some of that is because of a culture that's just popular that pushes them in that direction. Personally, I believe that it is a satanic scheme. Let's make people feel entitled. Let's make people be offended at everything. Let's cause them, when they're faced with problems, to shut down and flee to, uh, I mean, I'm not picking on safe spaces, but, but not face the problem, but rather hide from the problem. Let's create in people a heart unwilling to persevere. And what that will result in is the absence of character. And what that will destroy 
is hope. It's a pretty satanic scheme, isn't it? Downright evil. But God's called us to be a people of perseverance. When we see problems, to know this is where the Holy Spirit in me shines. This is where everything that God has put in me comes to the front and brings victory in the face of challenge no matter what it is. I have what I need, according to the Scripture, to life and godliness. I can do this right. No matter how hard it is, I can do it right. And that will produce the character that produces the hope that the world is in desperate need of. I'll give you one last passage here. I told you what we needed to be complete. If you're feeling that kind of hollowness and that emptiness, you might check yourself to see if, if you have this present in your life for the purpose of feeling that sense of completion. James verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, it reads like this. Consider it all joy when you encounter problems, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now here's verse 4. Here's what's important. And let perseverance have its perfect result so that you, who? You, yeah, so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. I want that for my sons. I want that for my marriage. I want that for my life. I would love to describe any part of my life as perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. I want that for you. I want that for the congregation of Champions Church. I want that for the city of Abilene. I want that for the kingdom of God around the world. I want that. I want that to be the result of our choices and decisions. What a victorious description. Complete and lacking nothing. There are times where I do feel that hollowness inside, and I'll have to ask myself, is there an area of my life where I'm not persevering, where I've conceded ground? Have I captured my thoughts, or have I let them wander a little bit? Have I guarded my mouth, or have I started to slip? That happens. You know, you'll, you'll catch your vocabulary and be like, you know, I didn't used to use that word that much. Probably need to think about that. But perseverance brings into our life the completion that is described in the same scripture as perfect, without any lack. I want that. I want it for me. I want it for you. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for you and for me, for us, as it concerns perseverance. Somebody should probably call Arby's and tell them they're about to have a rush. You know, basket of fries down, right? I wonder if they would sponsor this message. Give me an Arby's hat. <laughs> what do you think, Jared? Yeah, he said there's a shot. That's a man of hope because of proven character and perseverance. I love it. I want to pray because right now the, the, the most effective minister in the room is the Holy Spirit. I mean, God knows every aspect of your life. He knows where you need help the most. He knows the help that you need. I mean, every aspect of your life is laid bare before him. Uh, for any one of us, it's darts in the dark, you know. We might hit it by accident, and that'd be great. I mean, a win's a win. 
But the precision of the Holy Spirit to minister to you where you stand is just unfathomable. His love and his affection for you is so complete. So I want to pray and I want to ask God to do a work in our hearts and our minds, that we would be aware of the importance and the value of perseverance, that we would begin to see problems differently than we might see them today, and that we would begin to understand what's at stake, that hope is at stake, proven character is at stake, and and how we handle the things that we face and deal with, how we handle that outside counter-influence, that thing that is pushing against the, the direction that God has called us to move in. There where you stand, I, I want to pray. You're welcome to be in an attitude of agreement or just, just simply receive. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the counsel and the direction that you so richly pour into our lives. We thank you that you've called us to be just like you, that you've called us to your nature. We rejoice that you have equipped us with everything that we need to attain to that life, that life of godliness. Let perseverance rise in our our hearts and in our minds. The idea, the concept, the calling, and especially the equipping that you have given us what we need by your Spirit to hold our ground, to continue in the direction that you would call us to move in, regardless of the outside influences and the, the, the counter influences that would try to push against us. Teach us and lead us Guide us and stir in us the courage and the strength to hold. And let perseverance prevail in our hearts and in our minds. Let it be released through our words and our actions that we would truly persevere and step into our identity as a people of proven character and let the hope that would be produced not only encourage us one to another, but let it bring encouragement to all the world. That the community around us would be filled with awe and wonder and hope as they would see the character that would be revealed through our perseverance, all empowered by your spirit, and let it be evangelistic. Let it draw men and women unto you that they might be set free from all the problems and the challenges that they would face, all the inferiority and the corruption of sin, all the lies of the devil. Let truth prevail that you have equipped your children to win. And let that perseverance bring about the victory that would be resulting in joy and celebration for each one of us, individually and collectively together. We bless your name and we thank you for your goodness and your favor. And we receive the direction, the the, the discipline, all that we would need to persevere no matter what we face for your glory. Again, we thank you and rejoice in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.